0: Want to be entered to win a $25 Amazon gift card? Heck who doesn't? All you need to do is head over to astorianside.com backslash survey and answer some quick questions about this podcast. Are you worried about giving us your email address? We promise we won't use it for anything but letting you know if you won.
1: If we write from a place of perfectionism, it will not get done. So you just write, you put yourself out there and you just keep going. And don't worry about the results. Welcome
0: to You Should Write a Book About That. I'm your host, Kim O'Hara, a book coach with a story inside, and I am interviewing fascinating people from all walks of life with a story to tell. Do these folks have a best selling book in them? Stick around and find out. I am so excited to be talking today to Davina Kotulski. I don't know when she sleeps. She's a licensed psychologist. She's a life coach. She's a spiritual advisor. She's an award-winning author, and she's also a nationally known LGBT rights leader, like leader.
1: And so when do you sleep? Um Every night, (laughs) which I think is important, actually. Getting eight hours of sleep allows you to to do more and be more. And when you're meditating and also making sure that you prioritize exercise, you have time for the other things. I actually believe that the more self-care you do, um, the more things kind of work synergistically and you get more done.
0: I believe that too. When I take a break, when I'm trying to ram, you know, the square peg into the hole, nothing works. I end up having to do all that work over again, or I, or I make someone irritated or I'm irritated or, so I really appreciate you opening with that. You know, I think a lot of people hear a resume like yours and they do think, she must never sleep. She must be always on the grind. She must always be, you know, looking for that next thing to kind of, you know, make happen. And, and you've written a lot of books that exemplify that that's actually not how it works. Let's talk about the mana paradigm shift, because I love the story behind that. Um, if I could do a lead in, um, to that, it all started in a synagogue in Venice, Italy.
1: Yeah, well, th- thank you, Kim. So so yeah, I was I was in a synagogue in Venice, Italy, and I saw the, um, the picture of a hand coming down from the sky and sprinkling, um, you know, basically crumbs of, of food, nourishment. And it is the story of how when the Hebrews were uh, had left, um, they had left their enslavement in Egypt uh, and gone out into the desert. But when they got to the desert, they realized, well, even with enslavement, there were flesh pots to warm themselves by. They knew where their food was coming. They had a roof over their heads. And so they started to lament their freedom and cherish the golden handcuffs, so to speak. They, they cherished the, the the tools of the slavery. And they got mad at Moses and mad at God, and they wanted to go back. And they cried out. And God heard their cries according to the story and said, I will give you, you know, manna from heaven, which means I will give you what you need day by day. Whatever anyone needs according to their appetites, I will provide. But you can't hoard it. You can't take yesterday's manna and eat it tomorrow. You have to be with what you have today. And I just thought that's it's such a profound teaching that when we show up and we step out in faith and follow what is true for us, the universe provides for us. We have to trust. We're not going to get more than we need. We're not going to get less than we need, but we're going to get our needs met moment by moment and day by day.
0: Mm, and I'm not a highly religious person in sort of the ecclesiastic sense, but I, I I use the word God. And I have a friend who always says to me, and I, and I repeat it to myself when I get into sort of those tizzies of why isn't this happening for me? And why isn't this happening as fast as I want it to? I say, God is my source. Yeah. God is my source. God will not give me more than I need at any given time. And so then it's just kind of going into the acceptance. So when you were on this trip to Italy- Mm -hmm. You realized that the job you were in was a great paycheck. It was like, you know, the life, but it wasn't going to fulfill you. And you came back and you took some action.
1: Yeah, I had, I had been working as a psychologist for the federal government for over 12 years, and I was kind of at that halfway point where sometimes people get where they're like, okay, I'm, I'm halfway in, I have another 12 years to go, and then I can retire with all the you know three-fourths of my income, the pension, the benefits, et cetera. And I realized that if I did that, while I would have all those survival things in the end, It would kill my soul, ultimately. Mm. It wasn't that the job was bad. You know, I did a lot of great things, but it was that I had outgrown it. I had outgrown it and now I was spinning my wheels and it was, you know, having negative effects overall on my well-being. And so I realized that in order to continue to grow, I needed to step outside of that. And I also realized that um, it was a time where I was being called to um, again, I'm not a religious person either, but I'm a spiritual person. And it was to put my faith in something outside of corporations, the government, money, the man, so to speak, you know, and to really trust life, that life loved me and life wanted to take care of me and to not limit myself to, you know, only what keeps me safe is a pension or a 401k or a bimonthly paycheck. <laughs> right, right. And and, and there's those voices and they are
0: very patriarchal. Be happy with what you have, you know, don't, don't rock the boat, you know, don't shake up the tree. Um, You know, so you did something for 12 years and you're like, I don't want to do it anymore. I want to do something else. And it's like, I believe that we make it really difficult for ourselves Mm -hmm. to make that change, right? Like, and if you look at everything you had to shift, I mean, you left a marriage, right? That you've been in for a long time. You moved to Los Angeles from the Bay area. You left a job that did have security that probably didn't feel amazing in the start, right? Talk a little bit about what you had to go through.
1: So I want to I want to acknowledge and honor that when we make changes, I mean we're uncomfortable. It it take we're facing risks, we're we're taking ourselves out of our comfort zone and fear is normal. It's a normal part of any sort of transition or change. It's just that we can't let the fear and the discomfort stop us from from making those changes. And so you have to know what's your level of risk, what's your comfort level, and get support through the process so that you don't just go back to whatever it is um, that you wanted to make the change, whatever was spurring the need to make the change in the first place. So yeah, I have I have leapt without a net. I've leapt with, with smaller nets, bigger nets. Um, it's always uncomfortable. That is normal. But you... Over time, there are things that you can do. And actually, in both of my books, It's Never Too Late to Be Yourself and The Man of Paradigm Shift, I talk about how do you prepare yourself to make changes? What are the things that you can do so that you're more resilient when you make that leap? But of, of course, it, it's uncomfortable.
0: So it doesn't have to be black and white. There could be some preparation. And that's what you explain in your books, yeah. a little bit of preparing. L- let me ask you this, and you might not know the answer to this, but Do you think that people typically um, like move the needle a little bit, or do you think people typically take the big jump or do nothing? Are
1: there three camps? You know, I I think that, um, that if you're making gradual change uh, over and over and you're listening, you're having, you're listening and you're noticing you're showing up and you're doing the changes that you need to make. Sometimes that's not enough. I mean, sometimes that's enough. Other times the universe will, say you're too comfortable, and it will create situations. People, you know, their marriages will end as a surprise to them, or they're, they'll be laid off from a job, or something will happen. Sometimes the universe pushes us out, you know, just like the, the you know, bird that gets too comfortable in the nest, and its, it's mother's like, okay, it's time to fly. So, sometimes we get to choose the change and we can, you know, decide what, like you said, how far do we want to move the needle? Other times the universe makes those, those changes for us, decides for us. Um, I think it's best to build those muscles and know what you're comfortable with and try to make changes that are, that, that do make you uncomfortable, but not that make you crazy or unstable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was able to make some pretty big changes because I do some pretty big lifting, emotional lifting, life coaching. I I take care of myself. And so I I know, like, okay, I'm ready for this, you know? Yeah,
0: it wasn't just like F it, some stuff in a suitcase, and you're out the door on the next train to Georgia, right?
1: (laughs) Right. But but if you stuff, stuff, stuff... You you know, it's like the Bruce Springsteen song or whatever, went out for a, a drive in Baltimore, Jack, and never came, whatever. You know, <laughs> right. like that can happen to people. Yeah. They can just split, you
0: know, or or break. Yeah. Yeah. They can get really they can get desperate. Um, mm-hmm. I did watch the YouTube video on the past life regression. Um, I haven't oh, yeah. done like specifically that work. I've done, I think, as I mentioned, I've gone into the Akashic Records and I've looked at and changed some of the records around. So this kind of work, how does that assist someone in the process? Does that make them
1: more aware or prepared for these types of big changes? I think the past life regression work is amazing because it offers a window into some of the ways that we're, we're stuck, some of the ways that we are repeating patterns, and it can help us see sometimes, like, oh, wow, this is why I'm in this dynamic with this person. What do I need to do? to change it so that we can have something fresh and new in this lifetime, or do I need to, you know, leave the relationship or whatever it is, or the job, it just helps people understand on a deeper level, some of their motivations that they, that they might not have been aware of or that they are aware of, but they don't understand why they're there. You know, why, why is this fear here? Oh, I'm so afraid of letting my kids go because in my past life, Mm -hmm. you know, my kids were taken away from me by slavers, or you know, um, I, I uh, lost my brother when I went to the the fair with him and never found him again. And my parents, you know, never got, never forgave me. I mean, it's fascinating to hear some of people's past life stuff. So, um, and and what what unresolved things they have. So with past life work. It's shining a light, getting insight, and then also doing a lot of forgiveness work. Forgiving yourself for things that you did in a past life and forgiving others um, for what they've done to you. And it sounds really strange, but when people do that forgiveness work and they forgive themselves for whatever they've done in a past life, it allows them to love themselves and have better self-confidence in this lifetime. Or when they can forgive somebody else for something they did in a past life, there's less resentment and more... Open heartedness. We get
0: naked with our stories on this podcast and support women who rise up from trauma to hope and build something. Tammy's Fit Chick Granola is amazing, tasty, and you don't feel bad getting naked after eating it. Who doesn't love that? You can find granola at FitChickGranola.com, and we're giving you, as a listener, 20% off just enter books as the code at checkout. And now back to our amazing guest. So we talk about books on this show, as you know, and you are a prolific writer. Let's talk about the different books and your experience
1: as a writer. Did it get better? Um, Yeah, it it did. So the very first book I wrote is called Why You Should Give a Damn About Gay Marriage. I wrote it in 2003. (laughs) Um, Basically, I was out advocating for the right for same-sex couples to get married. And I was having the same conversations with clipboards in my hand, trying to get people to sign up or get engaged and get involved. And I was saying the same things over and over again. I was relaying harrowing stories of uh, how same-sex couples had been denied the right to be at one another's bedside when one died or they were losing their children Um, i was helping people understand that which they didn't know uh, people that had marriage licenses that when they had a marriage license it came with 1138 federal marriage rights and hundreds of state rights and that like a driver's license when you cross state lines you still had all of those rights and that same-sex couples had none of them And so rather than saying the same thing over and over again, the opportunity came up to write a book about it and to be able to hand people the book so that they could understand and and get other people involved and caring. And, you know, so that it wasn't just an emotional knee jerk. No, no, we were against gay marriage, but to understand all of the aspects, all of the reasons why same-sex couples needed to have equality and that it was more than just a piece of paper. And um, so it was a very guided experience. I I wrote the book in like four and a half months. It just came through. I, I had been speaking about it. I, I knew what kind of stories I wanted to tell and then I would um, I'd be like, okay, I need to write something about um, uh, LGBT people in the military and same-sex couples that are vet were ones a veteran. And I would just kind of like meditate on it, put that out there and then I would get an email, hey, do you, have you met so- and so? You should <laughs> talk to them and, and I would go and spend time with them and hear their story and, I, and it was just amazing. It was so guided and it literally uh, went to press, Right as Gavin Newsom was allowing same sex couples to marry uh, in California the first time. Um, And I was in Massachusetts, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, on May 17th, um, when, you know, at midnight, when same sex marriage became legal in the state of Massachusetts. I was there on book tour promoting the book. So it was very divinely guided. (laughs) Yeah. What a great town to be in, too. It was amazing. And got to watch the first couples go in and get their marriage licenses. It was being a part of history, watching history happen. Um, Yeah. Then I wrote a novel. Um, I wrote a novel about my work in prison. It's called Behind Barbed Eyes. And it's also um, an audible book that was read by an actor. Um, And it's about about the journey of uh, two protagonists. One is a psychologist and one is an armed uh, bank robber who's doing time. And, uh, it's a psychological journey, a healing journey. Um, and yeah, so, so that's out there. And that was, you know, trying out novel writing and uh, about a subject. Again, I worked as a psychologist in a women's prison for 12 and a half years and wanted to kind of show another side of that and, uh, beyond, and and I started writing it before Orange is the New Black is out. Um, you know, which was so great.
0: I love your energy. I love your like, I decided to try that out. I decided to try writing, you know, something that was fiction. And I decided to try writing this and try writing that. And that's an amazing attitude when it comes to books versus like, this has to be my breakthrough thing. And I better get this right. And this better be perfect. And I better know exactly how to do this because really, honestly, that doesn't get books written. Like it doesn't get books written. And if you have to sit there for a lot, like it takes a lot of time. So you might, so you better be, you know, being in a good frame of mind is, is, is advisable.
1: And writing is rewriting, as we know, you know, you're going to write, you're going to rewrite, you're going to change things, that's okay. And you want to, to, uh, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right, Kim, if we write from a place of perfectionism, it will not get done. So you just write, you put yourself out there, and you just keep going. Mm -hmm. And don't worry about the results. You know, the results will come. Um, you know, maybe it will be the next New York Times bestseller. Maybe it will, you know, reach a couple thousand people and they'll love it and it will take them out of their circumstances or it will open their their minds in some way or they'll laugh. And that's, that's good, too. You know, it's like, but if you need to write something, if you need to share something, it's just so important. To, to do it for, to, to you. Just it out there, for yeah, you
0: for just yeah. you to get it out there. It's very cathartic. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have a book that I want you to write, although you're probably going to tell me that someone's already written it. You know, okay. there's, I've been hearing this over and over again and, and, and I do have, you know, daughters, um, and I've been hearing this a lot from mothers of teenagers is that our children are all saying they're bi, and mm. none of them have had any sexual experiences, uh-huh. literally
1: yeah. none. What's going on? Mm. Well, I think that we're quite honestly, I think we're evolving as a human race where we know that um, love is love and that we fall in love with people, not genitalia. Yeah. And especially when we're, I mean, you could look at it from a past life place too, that when you meet people that you have a soul connection with, you have a soul connection with them. And that goes beyond, uh, that goes beyond physical plumbing. And I, I love uh, Dr. Sylvia Rue, a colleague of mine, always says, when the hearts fit, the parts fit. You know, oh, that is
0: amazing. My children are my greatest teachers mm. and they're light years ahead of me. You know, I am a provincial New England, you know, old school heterosexual.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
0: have I have no biases against anybody. It's just it, but they make me think, they make me go, am I? Who said I was? Like, wait a minute. How can she say <laughs> she's not? Like, what's yeah. going on? You know, I think a lot of us old school parents are sitting here who like, and I'm not even really old school, I'm super evolved, are sitting here mm-hmm. going, What's going on for us?
1: Yeah. Maybe there's some different options here. (laughs) I I think it's I I think that, um, again, you know, a lot of a lot of times some extremists will say, you know, it's a choice. Um, And I think the the choice is, are you going to follow your heart or not? Hmm. Because And the choice is, are you going to uh, restrict yourself based on what other people's expectations of you are? Um, i think when we fall in love it's it's not a choice it's a, it's our heart and i think for many of us um we might be more inclined one way or another um so like you know if we look at alfred kinsey talked about the, the kinsey scale and you know 0 to 6 and most people don't identify their kinsey scale but i think many people might be predominantly on the the edges um and many people are going to be in the middle. It's just like you might be more inclined to be heterosexual. But there might be a one in one millionth chance that you meet somebody and of the same sex. And boom, there you are. I am definitely, you know, gay and more inclined to be attracted to women. Right. But I am not, I, I know, never say never. You know, <laughs> there could be a possibility that some soul comes along and, and, you know, who I uh, mean, I'm not gay. No, it just means that there's something more or different that we don't comprehend. And I think younger people, um, they're not labeling themselves in that way, even if like they say, OK, I'm bi, but then they end up being predominantly attracted to the same sex or they say they're bi and they're predominantly attracted to, you know, the other sex, not the opposite, but the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. They're not going to keep themselves from being fully self-expressed it's really, it's beautiful. It's beautiful.
0: I've watched my evolution through it and I've watched other parents that I know is evolution through it. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's made me think, and I really, I, you know, I loved our first conversation and I didn't mean to throw a curveball at you at the end here, but I've loved everything we've talked about. So I want to, I want to leave us there on a heart note. Thank you so much for coming here today. You're welcome. And thanks for having me, Kim. Take care. You've been listening to, you should write a book about that. If you enjoyed our episode, tell a friend to listen, subscribe or review on iTunes, Stitcher, Castbox, Spotify, and Pandora, or wherever you listen to podcasts.